This is a KUNV Studios original program. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Las Vegas, and welcome to another episode of The Scoop here on KUNV 91.5 Public Radio. We are broadcasting so proudly from the campus of UNLV and so happy that you are up this Sunday morning to join us. We are in the throes of Black History Month, and I thought it would be super cool this month to try to shine the spotlight as much as possible on contributions of African-American and African-American culture and how it has shaped our society. So this morning, I am talking with none other than the incomparable Reverend Kelsey West of Nehemiah Ministries here in Las Vegas. And we're going to talk about his life, his story, and what I'm going to call his legacy. Um, Before we jump into all of that, let me say good morning and welcome to um, Reverend West. Good morning. Good morning. It's such an honor to to be on your show and to spend the Sunday morning with you. Thank you so much for having me. I know Sundays are a busy day for you, so I'm glad that we could carve out a little bit of time before you jump into everything and get into the space with your congregation and deliver the message. So thank you for, you know, stealing some time away from your parishioners. So I'm grateful to you for your generosity in that space. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. As I mentioned, and we all know it's Black History Month, and I said something about your legacy. And 31 going on 32 years ago, and correct me if I have my numbers wrong, you founded Uh the Unity Through Knowledge Historical Black College Tour. And I want to talk a little bit this month, this Sunday, about the contributions of African Americans. And I feel like You've done a lot of things and you have a number of awards, but this is a huge legacy. So tell us a little bit, introduce yourself to the community for those who don't know who you are. You are just a phenomenal um, servant. Well, thank you. And and let me just share this. It was actually um, 29, 29 years ago, we've hosted 27 tours in 29 years. We didn't do a tour 9-11. We didn't do a tour during COVID. But we have been blessed to host a little over 3,000 students. And we've taken them on tours to visit our HBCUs. Um, To date, we we have four tours so students can start with us their freshman year and go on four tours prior to graduating. And so it has just been a tremendous honor and joy. We're now second generational. Um, I have students of former students going on the tour. And every time I'm in a tour meeting, I have to fight back the tears because I just can't believe that we've been blessed with this type of consistency. I think it's just, I mean, it's, it's an awesome concept. So what we're talking about is um, Reverend Kelsey West makes available to families here in the Valley and even to people who don't live here, you can do this. 
For children who are in grades 9 through 12, so they're freshmen until their senior years in high school, he makes available an opportunity to go on a one-week tour of a variety of historically black colleges and universities. And you have been doing, you've done this 29 times for over 3,000 students. So you first had this idea, if I'm not mistaken, you established this in 1993-1994. Where did the idea come from? Because I also want to talk about something else that you did, but where did this idea, the... This came... This came from, um, I'm originally from Michigan, Pontiac, Michigan, and I wasn't in the marching band, but a lot of my friends were in the marching band, which meant they they were recruited by HBCUs. So I had friends at HBCUs, and I moved to Las Vegas to attend and later graduate from UNLV. However, being in Las Vegas, I would see students go away and come back home. And then when I started interviewing those students, they told me it was the culture shock. First light bulb. I had to look at my transition from Michigan to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. It was a culture shock. So let's put a tour together. Let's help students see what it looks like in that. And and our tagline has always been, um, we want to help students see what a different world really looks like at our HBCUs. And so it was really just 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 an idea to expose that's the key word for us is exposure that is so awesome and i say that because i came out and i'm dating myself now i finished high school around 88 so okay when it was time for me to apply um, the questions surfaced and i went to high school in in arizona in phoenix but the questions began mm-hmm. to rise about HBCUs. There was a little bit of conversation. And I'm making the comparison because Las Vegas is a Western city, just like Phoenix is a Western city, right? So you have right, some right. African-Americans, but you don't have a huge number. But here, I think per capita, there's always more African-Americans visibly than what you find in Phoenix. So there right. isn't a lot of information about HBCUs at the point in time that you start this. So hailing right. from Michigan, from the East Coast, also made a difference because you had that perspective because there just wasn't a conversation. You couldn't get information back. Um, I remember right. reaching out to get information from like Howard and um, my parents were both from Mississippi. So Jackson State, um, the Jackson, you know how they say the Jackson, the, the I love or whatever. Um, right. You could not get information. And then schools had specializations. So right. you almost needed to know what you needed to be so sure of what you were going to major in, because if you weren't. Very sure. There were very few um, HBCUs that were considered spaces you could go into and change your mind. Because college is a discovery experience. So bringing this information to light at a time when the understanding or awareness of HBCUs, unless someone had family members from the South or parents or someone, an aunt or someone, an uncle, who had gone on before them to attend HBCU. So I'm sure people were looking at you like, what? Yeah, and I mean, and and this is, this is, so watch this. This is what I had working against me. I was 24 with my first tour. I was still a student at UNLV when I hosted my first HBCU tour. And then 
not being a graduate from an HBCU almost made people a little territorial. And so I'm grateful that our track record started to be established real quick, and I started to earn the trust of our school district counselors, parents, and really that's who I give the most credit to, the parents, coming back every year letting other parents know you should send your child on this trip. But but in the beginning, I remember people in our community telling me, you're wasting your time. People aren't going to sign up. People are, are not going to invest. My first tour was 47 students. Now we're averaging three, three buses, so 150 students is our average now. Wow. I mean, I, that's phenomenal. I, I was looking at some information and seeing that you, your maximum number of participants is around 156. And the least number yeah. you've ever done is like, I would do, is like 25. I think it is just a beautiful yeah. give back. A beautiful give yeah, back. Now, um, you also, it's not just the tour, though, for a week. More happens and goes into this because you're trying to create a space of awareness and um, right. education about the process. Because kids going off to college is also a space where you, it's your first introduction to becoming an adult, making adult decisions, thinking for yourself. Waking up, managing your money, managing your time. Like, it's not, you know, high school. No one's going to be there. Mom's not there to wake you up in the morning and tell you to get up and get dressed and have some breakfast and make sure and monitor that you get out the house on time. Because, you know, my friends would, would tease me, and I had, like, the epitome of a mom, and we all think our mother is the greatest person in the world. I think no less of my mom. May she rest in peace. But... My mother was always making me breakfast, even when I was 25 and came back home after my first um, intern job after college. And then I, I moved away as a reporter to Washington State and came back home and did some work in Arizona before I moved here. And my mother literally would make me breakfast every morning. When I say breakfast, I mean pancakes, Full breakfast. eggs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she did something every day. I understand. I was blessed to have a mom as well. Mm-hmm. I had a mother and a mom. I had so breakfast, I lunch, and dinner. That's right. I understand fruit on on the plate with the breakfast. But nobody is waking you up in college. So when you get to college, you just, you know, if you stay up too late or you go to the party or you don't get the paper done or you don't show up in class, it's not, it's the, the days of where are you are over. So in this right. space, you're also teaching them about um, what's going to come with the collegiate space and experience in terms of independence and self-reliance. Right. So how does that, how long do the workshops, there's workshops, right? We start, we start um, June of every year. I start meeting with students and parents. So, so our calendar, we announce it toward June. Around August, I start meeting with students and parents. They have monthly workshops. So from August until March or April, depending upon when spring break falls, we're, we're preparing them for the tour. And, and so I transition from a pastor to an old school professor because I want them to understand time management, money management, self-management. Mm-hmm. And so they have an itinerary. They know 5 o'clock wake up call, 8 o'clock you need to be on the bus. 8.01, you're late. Money management, what percentage of your money do you have left? Why did you buy those sneakers and now you're, you've thrown off your budget? Self-management, we have nightly, um, late-night discussions. 
and we encourage students. If you know you need to be in a session, don't follow your roommates back to the room, enroll in the extracurricular course you need. So the tour is really a nonstop college prep experience. From the moment they get to the airport, they're working on something to earn a free trip or book scholarships. And so I just share with them, just like you know in the real world, you don't know who's watching. Have no idea. We give scholarships away for most congenial, the kid who says good morning every day. We give scholarships to the kid who had the best portfolio because all of our kids, we encourage them to um, assemble a professional portfolio. And so it's, it's, it's a real college prep experience. I think it is just phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Because there's, those are like the hands-on things that kids really need when they find themselves in that independent space for school. So it seems like right on time that you would touch on those very things, the time, um, the self-management, and money. Yes, yeah. ma'am. That's, that, has, that has been the heartbeat, the foundation of the tour. Um I've always been a, a fan of, of, of television shows, and so I like competitions. And so um, I took a page from The Apprentice, and so the rooms, the rooms are actually um, your roommates become your teammates. And so they're they're working on marketing campaigns. They're learning marketing, not even knowing that's what they're doing for a week. So how do yeah. the parents fit into the equation? Because for these types of programs to be successful, it's an all-in. Everyone's on the team. So students are there. Mom and dad are there. Yeah. Mom or, or dad. The, the, how parents help is parents coming to the meetings, being engaged, asking questions, but being in support of the program, understanding um, that I do have um, strict rules, and just being in support of that, understanding this college prep. So we may be in a workshop until the wee hours of the morning with an early wake-up call, welcome to college. But there is no way I could be in a hotel with 150 kids wired and just not having something constructive for them to do. So every night, every night they know there's a, there's a group project of some sort. I love that because you are talking about being away. And then you want it to be fun for them, too, because it's their spring break week. So I mean, we asked for that question for those of you who are out there wondering, when does this take place? It's every year during spring break, yeah, depending spring on when, break. when um, mm-hmm. spring break falls for the students here. Um, now, let me let me share this, let me share this real quick on mm-hmm. the fun side, the fun side. So our tours are we fly into a city. So we have four tours, D.C., Virginia, Maryland. We have North and South Carolina, which is our upcoming tour. We have a Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and then we have a Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Oh, wow. So you're touring, you're touring colleges, but I want this to be the highlight of high school. So last tour, we finished at Cowboy Stadium playing football on the field. We went to the Potter's house with Bishop Jakes, and he gave us an hour and a half of, of, of him just sitting with our students. We, we've gone to Six Flags. We've been in Atlanta and taking the kids to Cascades, Roller Rink. When we're in D.C., we see everything because I want the kids to understand um, just how precious moments are. 
And so if there's something that we can see, I try to make it happen. I think that is phenomenal. So you said there's four tours. So does that mean that at different points in the year, the tours are happening? No, no. So I have four tours that rotate. So a a freshman, if you start with me freshman year, Mm -hmm. you can do all four tours. Oh, okay. I see. There you go. So by the time you're a senior, you can make a solid um, selection because you've been to, you know, almost 30 plus campuses. Got it. Got it. And it's and it's not just the campuses, you know. I want them to see the the area around the campus. Mm-hmm. We have kids never been to the country, so you're going to Grambling, but you do know Grambling shuts down at a certain time. It does. You do know Walmart is not walking distance. Mm-hmm. You do know you need to get on this shuttle to go to church. So this is such a wonderful experience for the kids because they're there for a week, but it is spring break, and so they're having such a good time. But you want them to not feel like they've lost. All of that on on a tour. So in the evenings, you were talking about you um, you do fun things with them. So tell me more about the activities that go on during the week in addition to the traditional parts of the tour. Oh, yes. And so one of the highlights of our tour is whether we're at Six Flags or Cascade Skating Rink or um, playing football at AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I love to expose them to those wow moments. Um, D.C., you know, making sure we touch all of the monuments, Um, taking kids to the zoo and and having them come be honest about the fact they've never been to a zoo. And so it's those moments. Um, The last time we were in D.C. going to the African-American Museum and having kids tell me, Rev, at first, I didn't want to spend five hours in a museum. Now I wish I had five more hours. And so it's those moments. It's it's the late night meetings where kids will tell me, Rev, I can't sleep. Let's have another discussion. Can we pick another topic? And so those are the moments where the tour becomes more than a tour. Or when kids who didn't know somebody later write me and say, Rev, my roommate at Spelman is the person I met on the tour. And so it's those moments where you just go, you know, this was really an act of God. Yeah, it's really a wonderful life. It's just a life-changing experience because they are introduced to unforgettable things that they'll never forget to have included in your spring break an opportunity to be in the D.C. area and to visit the monuments and to go to the African-American Smithsonian or any of the Smithsonians. I mean, I've been to D.C. many times and it is just phenomenal. I think the last time I was there, I went to the Library of Congress and it was and you it's like you don't have enough hours. So I can only imagine how the students feel being exposed to these different things that are one of a kind and once in a lifetime, it's just so powerful. And the lives you've changed over the years. So, I mean, Thank if you. my child's a freshman and I do the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, spring break yes. is an unforgettable journey right. every year that's of right. high school. And that is just a phenomenal, it, that's a, it is beautiful that you thought of this and that God gave you the foresight to do it. And you have the energy and the ingenuity to stick it out, despite the naysayers who said, hey, you know, that won't work. Your life is a testament. That's right. 
So I just want to say thank you for doing it. Um, how can people, I want to make sure that we really give people time to write down information where they can find information on what the tour is about, how to reach you, how to sign up for information to come to them and keep them abreast of when dates and deadlines yes. are arriving. Yes. Um, our website, www.32ndstreet.us. That's the number three, the number two. N like Nancy, D like David, S like Sam, T like Tom, dot U.S. 32ndstreet.us is how people can learn all about our tours. We announce them four years in advance. They can also call me direct, 702-860-6638. I welcome community supporters and sponsors. Um, I I do have a a waiting list um, for chaperones. I have a team of people who have been working with me for a long time. They understand the program. Um, but as we expand, that'll make room for more. I um, saw the opportunity to be a chaperone, and I was curious. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to touch on that while we were talking. And also, the 32nd Street, I want people to understand the connection between that as well. So yes, what is that about, the 32nd Street, that name? Because 32nd Street Theater, when I... And I've known you for a number of years. We've worked on some community projects together. Thank you for your work with Susan G. Coleman. I'm always proud of that collaborative as a breast cancer survivor and thankful for your um, contribution and time and energy that you gave to that endeavor when I was there working with that organization as well, that you found time. So thank you so much for that. Um, But 32nd Street Theater, I, I read while I was doing some research on you that you have a playwright background. There's an interest in the arts, theatrical arts. So, that's right. man of many Walking talents, many hats. What What's that about? While well, we have a little bit more time, because I do want to let yeah. people know about this part of your We're story. Walking Walking distance from where we are here at UNLV is the Clark County Library. And so, when I was in college. Um, I just started writing plays. I, I was raised. My mom exposed me to the black and whites. Um, I watched Shirley Temple, the Nicholas Brothers tap dancing. So, and then she used to take me to plays. I remember seeing Peter Pan as a little boy. Um, and so I, I had a theater background. And so um, I was able to write and produce four original projects. Um, my last project um, was a tribute to the music of Marvin Gaye. And so we packed out the Clark County Library Theater. It seats 450. And mm-hmm. this is free social media. We talking street marketing. Wow. I had no budget. I had a script, no budget, but um, but we were able to pack out that theater. So when did you start doing like like how young were you when you did the plays and got into that space? So so watch this. That was right before the tour began. So you so, were 24 when you started the tour. So 22, 23 when you started the playwright? 20, 20, that's right. 22 to 24, um, I'm writing plays. Wow. 24, 24, I start doing HBCU tours. Mm-hmm. 26, I say yes to ministry. Wow. 34, I say yes to pastoring. And so that's, that's the timeline. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful life journey, too. Um But I have to ask, at any point did you feel, because you had to feel overwhelmed. You know, we are called to do things, and it often it's frightening to be Mm -hmm. called, and you're laying there at night, and you're not sleeping, 
Because this thought, it's on your mind. This thing is tugging at you. Right. How did... All the time. All the time. All the time. I have that feeling all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I have to have people around me that help me relax. People who... Um, you know, just understand, you know, there's a heavy call on my life. And so I have to avoid unnecessary stress. <laughs> but every, every day, I, I never know. I never know who's calling and what the next opportunity is. But it has been a great journey for you. It has been a tremendous. Oh, right. oh, I, oh I give God, I give God all praise, honor and glory for allowing a little kid from Pontiac, Michigan, hmm. who was once bullied, um, a, a young man who, when I came to Las Vegas, I was expelled before I graduated. And so it's just been a great journey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to say thank you, too, for being allowing your life to be a testament and being so transparent. Because you, yes, I have ma'am. seen you speak in the community as well, and you are so transparent. You are so there to oh, say, this is what I've gone through. This is how I responded to it. This is why it matters. Here's who it helps. And here's who I hope I help in the future. And here's how it helped yes, me. And I think that is yes, just ma'am. a tremendous amount of selflessness because a lot of times we go through things. But we're not always willing to share what we've gone through without realizing that by sharing, we usually are helping someone who's in That's a space right. that we don't even know about. That's right. Yeah. So I want to say thank you for that. No, thank you. That's that's my honor. I, I, I truly believe, you know, even, you know, when you and I, our stories, you know, you sharing um, that you're a survivor. Yeah, you're a hero to me. You're a hero to others. And if you keep that in, man, how many people, how many people are affected through our silence? You know, you're and right. So it took I'm, me the third bout with breast cancer to realize that I remember the first time, the first time I was diagnosed. And I had just mm-hmm. come to work. I, I was working for Clark County, and I was attending Victory. And mm-hmm. Pastor Robert Fowler, may he rest in peace. Yes, yes. He came to my office and he said, and so Pastor Fowler came to my office and he said to me, what do you think God is trying to tell you? And honestly, at the time I was young, it was my first diagnosis. I was surprised by it. I just wanted to move through and get past it. And I was like, I don't know. And he awakened something in me to, like, I never really stopped thinking about that. And then came the second diagnosis. The third diagnosis, I said, you know what? I think I want to get involved. I lost my mom to the disease, and I decided to find a way to work in the community to give back. And that was kind of how the efforts with Komen, but really more the grassroots outreach, because... It was any radio show, any talk, any opportunity, anyone can call, anything I can give you that will help you and your family manage as best as it's as, as best as it can manage to navigate yes. through the stress and the pain that comes with a cancer diagnosis and how that impacts the family. And it just yes, became ma'am. a space to help other people. So I, I completely get, you know, why it's so important to take our stories, our testimonies, and to allow them to transform us into a space that is service. But as our clock ticks out this morning, I want to say thank you for spending some time with me 
And I pray you have a wonderful rest of the day. I know you're going to bless so you many too. people today in you this week. Too. Thank you. Um, real quick again, 32nd Street Theater, the yes. Unity Through Knowledge Historical Black College Tour, Reverend Kelsey West, Nehemiah Ministries. A great opportunity for you and your children. If you're considering going to a historically black college or university, you want to know more. Amen. Reverend West, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love you for life, sis. Love Absolutely. you for life. All right. All right. Talk to you later. You too. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.